In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, this is Mark Marble. And this is Corwin Kroll. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 295. Which is kind of a curveball since <laughs> even though even though things like this usually are pretty fun because A they're not it's not rehearsed and B it's uh well, you and I always have fun when we record period, so I can only imagine what this is gonna be like. <laughs> and considering what considering what movie we're going to be doing the commentary on, it's it should be quite interesting. So we're going to be doing a commentary track for Alien Covenant. Which oh, also yeah. will, will kind of partially be a commentary track on Prometheus, I suppose, because you can't really <laughs> avoid it. And if there was any way to avoid it, the beginning of the movie, you know, as we'll get into it in a few seconds, the prologue will uh, kind of drags you right in. So there's no way to avoid uh, the Prometheus uh, elements and the influence. Uh, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you much. Her- Hurricane Irma tried to throw everything off, but we made it through. That's true. And ironically, you had power, but you had no internet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which actually, I thought about this after the fact. In Florida, it makes a little more sense because so much, a lot of the power, st- power lines and stuff are underground in Florida. Yeah. Uh, not exclusively, clearly, but but it makes so, so it's but the cable is still all above ground, correct? Some of it, it depends on where you're at, but oh, yeah, they've true. been trying to bury everything the last couple of years. That's true. That makes more sense because yeah. All right, you ready to begin? Let's do it. Let's do it. So we're going to hit them. So for those for those of you at home, we're going to basically begin. As soon as we hit the play button, we're going to be at the four second mark because that's where we kind of stopped it and paused it too. So ready, set, begin. The great 20th century Fox logo. Logo. <laughs> I, I like the way it kind of like has a weird haze to it with the bluish tint. I think that's kind of grayish, kind of. Yeah, it kind of, it, it, it kind of works in this. Now the prologue, the prologue to this is interesting on on multiple levels. I think it's, I had I kind of had high hopes for this movie when it, when originally it was supposed to be well when we all thought that the plot of this movie was going to be different when it was going to be more Elizabeth Shaw in it. <laughs> yeah, sequel that, to Prometheus. Like yeah, it's more of a direct like we thought, and it was either implied it was going to be. But I kind of had hopes that maybe by the time we got to this movie that. David's character was not going to be such a such a bad guy. <laughs> and if you had any hopes that was going to be the case in this movie, pretty much in this opening scene, it pretty much shoots it right out of the water. <laughs> uh, I I kind of I did like now the, the interesting for me the interesting part about this prologue between you know Guy Pierce playing uh uh Whalen, Peter Whalen. 
mm-hmm. is that I kind of like the fact that because if you listen to the if people have they if you've listened to the commentary track on Prometheus, you know that both writers anyway on the commentary tracks their tracks point out that there were supposed to be scenes with young, more virile Peter Whelan, which is one of the reasons why Guy Pierce was cast, but that never really happened in the final ver in the final version. So I kind of like the fact that in this opening scene where David is just brought online, that you kind of do get a younger version of Peter Whelan. So I did. I kind of like that, and I liked the prologue when I watched it when they, in the movies. But I think with, now that I've watched it a few times on, on Blu-ray, I don't know if it plays as well. <laughs> well, this is my first time watching this since I've seen it in theaters. So that will be quite interesting then. Yeah. Get some nice reflection, but I've been a fan of the franchise for as long as I can remember. I mean, Lord, as much of a sci-fi buff as I am, this was always my kind of movies. Yes, and I did. I mean, I I did like Covenant when I saw it in the theater. I just didn't like it as much as Prometheus. I mean, it's a great alien prequel if Prometheus didn't exist. Correct. Correct. <laughs> now this part, this part is awesome with with. Uh, the statue of David. Yes, like, like you and I kind of talked about it when we first saw the movie that this is this is kind of like that moment in, related to uh, that self awareness moment, like in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes when Roddy McDowell Caesar gets to pick his own name and he picks out the name Caesar because of the connotations of it, and David picks out you know based on the Michelangelo statue of David that he picks out that statue, um, and since David does seem to see, think that he's perfect too. <laughs> And certainly, and certainly superior. Su- yes, certainly superior to human beings across the board. Um, and this little back and forth between Peter Wayland and and his creation, they kind of like the the way the way uh, David kind of gets under his skin a little bit, and uh, makes it clear that right from the beginning, David kind of is not really <laughs> entirely thrilled with the uh, nature of their relationship. Relationship, yeah. Like here when he's asking about the if you created me, who created you? Who created you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a simple question that most sentience beings, you know, even children would consider. Yes, that 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 is that is very true. But you can. So that's the, I guess like I mentioned, this is the one thing about this prologue is cool, and I did I thought when I first saw it, it it was it was, I thought it was relatively necessary. But I do see why some people would say it kind of maybe it's it's dragging to begin, you know, kind of like brings the movie down a tad. And I, I can see it trying to build that connective tissue between Prometheus and giving you giving you something that you're coming into this movie with having an idea of, OK, well, this is the same character. This is, relates to Prometheus. We know this from before. Now, let's see where they're going to take it. You know, they, they give you that real feeling that it's a sequel. Right. And for, like I said, uh, you think at this, you're, for me anyway, I mean, if you really thought that there was any chance of David kind of being redeemed, I mean, even though this does not necessarily, this is still the pre-events of Prometheus, David, so it's mm-hmm. not, technically speaking, it's not like it could have gone off in a different direction and, and he could have changed his, you know, Worldview on things, but obviously uh, this is certainly foreshadowing. You know, if you had just in the very beginning of the movie, it kind of foreshadows before you know what's going to happen. That it's a beautiful yeah. shot right here. Yes. Is that chair he's sitting in supposed to be something significant? 
piece of art or something. Most of, I would say yes, because almost everything in this scene was, because David kind of rattles off everything that the different the different things that Peter Whelan has uh, kind of put together. Now, now we have the titles. Yes. And in your classic alien font, pretty much. <laughs> exactly, the building up of the name. Yes, the, the, the reveal. So, do you think they're gonna? When this is all said and done, you think they're going to go back and rename Alien and put in the, the colon and put in the Stromo at the end oh. of it? <laughs> I think it's perfect enough as it is. They shouldn't touch it. I, I, I agree. And during the course of this film, Corbin and I will at some point – not right away because we have, we, have to, we have to let it percolate a little bit. But at some point, we'll probably answer the all-important question of who do, who do we think had the stupider crew, Prometheus or the Covenant? <laughs> You could probably make a case for either one, but but of course, right off the bat, with, when they give you this intro on the covenant, covenant, and it certainly makes a di- it establishes that this is an entirely different mission than mm-hmm. what the first movie was. This is not any kind of scientific expedition in which you're trying to find your creators. This is just a colonization mission, taking trying to basically set up a new, basically a new Earth colony or colonization of humans anyway. Um, no, what I, okay. I was going to say, I love the inside scene of the ship because it's very reminiscent of the first Alien movie with yes. how the table set up and everything else around it, the deck. That is true, and we have more of that later on with the uh, with, with the, the what, what do you call this? The bird thing, the, like the pendulum thing going forward. Yeah. Yeah. That. It's interesting that right off the bat you get the you get it make it clear that this is a different android, not just by name, but the way he talks and everything else, but. It still, it still physically resembles the David model. <laughs> oh yeah, and you got to give it the fast bender, man. His his movements and everything are very, very believable. That he would be an android, very stiff. Yes, and even the fact that he does a good job at uh, creating the two different characters, the two different personalities. Personalities, yeah. But yet there's still some common threads. Like obviously, David was obsessed with Elizabeth Shaw. And Walter, on a lesser, maybe a, maybe a sweeter level, if you will, is kind of obsessed with Daniels. They have a connection anyway. Obsessed might be strong, but, but at least, but but there's a similar kind of dynamic at work. And now we well, he, he he isn't peeping in any dreams, at least. No, no, he's not. yeah, that's true. <laughs> now we find out that they, besides all the sleeping colonists there, they have a whole bunch of embryos. Yeah, uh, which they mentioned it when they gave you the the dial in. Update yep. you. Yep, the number of people and the number of embryos and. Uh-uh. Now, what I thought was interesting was just naming him Walter was interesting because for every other alien movie in, in, the, in the order of that they were made, they were going in alphabetical order for the for the androids. Because oh. they went from they went from Ash to Bishop to Call to David. Obviously, this is not chronological and based in the time frame of the movies and from beginning to end, but as chronologically and how the, the how the films were actually filmed in chronological order. So it made it, so he he really should have had an E name. So I yeah. And I and I listened to the commentary track from Ridley Scott to see if he he would address it, and he didn't. So I'm kind of curious what the decision was and why they they kind of didn't name him Edward or something that would have followed the pattern, because you would think, I mean. Unless, unless he named David David, just you know, maybe in, in his mind's eye, he saw that pro, that prologue always as the reason why. But it, 
And there always has to be some crisis in space. Mm-hmm. With crew members dying in their pods. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the the, the uh, uncredited James Franco cameo. <laughs> <laughs> Soon to be extra crispy. <laughs> uh, look, look at David or David's uh, Walter's arms. How he's walking, very stiff. Yes, and his elbows. A synthetic animation. <laughs> and in the monitors in there, you recognize the the red X's. Yes, and now now things are about to get really bad from James Franco. <laughs> Indistinct conversation. <laughs> uh, Didn't they have prom- promotional videos of him actually being out of there on the board and on the deck or whatever? Yeah, I, yes, yes. I, th- I think I think there was. Uh, I think it's one of the extras on this. The uh, the little crew bonding camaraderie thing. I think th- I think that was. Uh, I know it's on. The, I know it's one of the extras. But I, you're right. So that is just like more of the stuff with. Elizabeth and David that they that they've never made it into the movie but they kind of also released as like a like a five minute almost like a prologue another prologue filling the gap between one movie to the other they kind of released that before the movie came out there he goes (laughs) Billy Crudup is really it's really interesting because every time I every time I see him I think of Dr. Manhattan (laughs) And, and you could not be more anti Doctor Manhattan than you are than his character in this movie. <laughs> Orem over here is uh yeah he's he is about as completely indecisive in his wishy washy character. Now this actress, uh, what is what else has she done? She's been in a. By luck of the draw, I do have IMDb open, so let me let me go take a look at what it shows for her. She's been in a few movies, but nothing super big. She was in Fantastic Beasts. Oh, she's going to be in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the sequel, number two. Oh, okay. Uh, Logan Lucky, which just came out. I have um, to see that. No, she wasn't the first one. She was in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, let's see. She was in Steve Jobs. Here's your religious representation. Something, yes. a very heavy theme in... Both these yes. prequels. Yep. She, so, she has she has she has a lot of faith, much like Elizabeth Shaw does. Yeah, this part's kind of sad. Though James Franco seems to always play James Franco. So, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he in the movie where he was rock climbing had to cut off his hand? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was in that movie. <laughs> Maybe this is when it was filmed. <laughs> Uh, Boardwalk Empire was another thing Waterson was in. I have to see that still. Uh, let's see. Robot and Frank, which I never watched, but I wanted to watch. I was in my Netflix list for a long time. And let's see. There's a few other things that she was in, but she hasn't been in a lot of big name movies. And I think she's just starting to get in, get into more of them now. Step up. Yep, step up. Now. Here's the interesting thing. It makes sense on some level because this thing is all about colonization. That's so – that to me – The I, pairings. Yes. That's exactly where I was going with it. On some level, it makes sense that almost everybody on this ship is a couple, but yet 
it's a little too convenient from from a plot point point of view on another level. It's like I don't think you really needed every single. You know, there could have been somebody on somebody on the ship that was. Hey man, the, those seven year journeys and those those things get lonely. <laughs> hey, you're frozen. <laughs> you know, but when you get there, I mean. That's true. If every if every single colonist on ice, they were all part of couples, then I suppose you would ideally you'd want a pair of people off, or else it's gonna. Oh be yeah. There. As, so there is a certain plot logic to it. It's just it's it's but it does set up the whole dynamic of some of the some of the really questionable decision making in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so see so here we have uh, but Oram over here trying to uh, trying to be a leader and trying to step up and make the decision. You know, he wants. Proving his mettle in a way, just by trying to say, "Hey, we got this is the bottom line. This is we got to get the ship back and up and running." Though I, lo- I kind of liked this exchange between uh, David, I mean, excuse me, Freudian slip, Walter, and uh, Orem, because uh, <laughs> there's just a little attitude that Walter has, which, <laughs> which is just, in, in a way, it's like it's not. I mean, he's trying to be. I think he's trying to have an attitude, but he's not trying to be like blatantly like a, a dick, like David. <laughs> but you can. But in a way, you kind of you can almost ascertain that uh, he doesn't have the most respect for him either as a leader. <laughs> by doing this? It's like like that line. And it's like, is that a question? <laughs> now, yeah, is... is that a question? <laughs> it's like, yes, Walter, that's a question. <laughs> Now there isn't a uh, well, as far as I remember, there isn't a clear division between the blue collars and the white collars. But of course, the engineering and some of the other characters do seem a bit more standoffish against the the captains of the captain or the leadership position. Yes, probably, probably, and probably the you know slash the military security wing, which isn't much in this ship, but but what they have probably that would make sense too. Um, and the initial, obviously, the initial conflict here in when. Trying to establish the new captain is the fact that they also <laughs> the, re- the remaining members of the crew want to have a basically have a ceremony or acknowledge the death of the former captain <laughs> James James Franco's character, but Billy Crudup said nope, got to get the ship fixed. That's the most important thing, and that becomes the that beca- that becomes the first if there is a sign of uh, a power rift. struggle or a rift mm-hmm. or uh, being dis. Uh, so being this overall, just being disrespectful on some level, and maybe being insubordinate—that's the word I couldn't find. That this, that kind of, that kind of stems from this scene that's coming up in a few minutes when they kind of like all after they do the, do their work on their repairs, how they all kind of like they all end up sneaking away before they jettison uh, James Franco's body to do a uh, toast. To do a toast. <laughs> oh, and they, I like that one when. Well, well, when when we get to it in a few seconds, when they give David the drink, what he says, I think that's kind of that, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of funny. <laughs> we're good, we're gonna be doing this on on do the whole movie with this whole Walter David thing. Oh, I did it again, Walter. Yeah, it's all good. All right. So here's some um, uh, foreshadowing. Yes. Securing the vehicles in the bay. Lots of chains. Which also ties. Which also somewhat ties into the whole thing about the cabin that there was going to be built and and the nail and that, which obviously has multiple 
<laughs> fact, fact is in multiple ways in in the way this movie in the way this movie plays out. Uh, so yes, now we're getting the introduction of the building building the cabin by hand, and how Walter basically is willing to step in and he's going to step in and take the place of Frank James Franco too on that level, and maybe hopefully on another level. <laughs> It's yeah, it's axes and saws and metal nails, which I don't have a clue what to do with. <laughs> <laughs> so the mission, yeah, how I think it still gets questionable how this, how this, what's the best way to phrase it? How how they go from the real mission to their, their the mission is convenient for the plot. <laughs> mm-hmm. That. We'll be getting to that in a few minutes too, but it's just the idea that, uh, yeah, the, the, the decision making in this movie is really questionable, <laughs> considering how many lives are at stake. We're not even, bad, okay. bad decisions make good drama. That is true, but and, but sometimes it almost has to be somewhat believable bad decisions. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. in this movie, there's a lot. There's a lot. Like in Prometheus, we know there are some really questionable decisions. You know, taking the helmet off right away, uh, the the, ref, the refusal the refusal of the cor- of the quarantine. It's like yeah. not letting them put letting them on the sh- letting them on the ship. Another and, uh, common theme. Yes, and the and when and when you wake up in the morning and there's this alien thing swimming in your eye, why, don't you think you'd want to point that out at least at least to your to your scientist girlfriend as opposed to oh everything's okay. It's like the zombie bite. They don't want to admit it to anybody. <laughs> except, except the difference is with the zombie bite. You know what's absolutely going to happen. He had no idea, but he knew it wasn't good. Good. <laughs> uh, but we'll, but we'll save some of that for our hidden Prometheus commentary track coming to the They did this mutiny. Mutiny, yes. They, they don't. That's it. They don't trust me. Well, yeah, that's pretty much true. <laughs> yeah, needless to say, the couples in this movie they don't they don't really pair and do well. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, not not many of them. There's only one couple that actually stays together for the majority of the movie. <laughs> not, not just not just physically, but as in being a al- both of them being alive. <laughs> That's something that kind of gets weeded out relatively quickly in this. <clears throat> and this is, yeah, this is somewhat interesting with the whole the ten the ten the Tennessee character himself is interesting because I'm not I'm not the world's biggest fan here of uh, <laughs> Danny McBride, but well, he's the one personality because he has a cowboy hat. So. Yes. <laughs> and but to be fair, he was he was good in this. Role. Oh yeah, I think he was, and he pulled he pulled off he pulled off the dramatic role. So like, so you have you have to give him that. You have to give him that. And soon he's going to get, very shortly he's going to get his interplanetary <laughs> <laughs> signal from uh <laughs> straight from the seventies. Now, is this something that we actually do have in real life, this uh, solar panel? The solar sail kind of thing? Sail thing. 
I it's something can I think conceptually yes I don't know if in practical terms if it's probably certainly not like this but I I think conceptually yes it's it's one of those things that when you look at how you, how ships could travel long distances especially because of the fuel that you would need because obviously you couldn't you couldn't use traditional Stop at the gas station right you, you couldn't use traditional <laughs> Maybe one day. Those monopolies are everywhere. <laughs> it won't take my card. It won't take my card. Damn chip reader. But uh, the concepts of yes, how a ship could travel for long distances and so to be able to like absorb solar energy and things like that. But now we get the uh, – now Tennessee's about to get his little transmission in his helmet, which is – which is interesting. I mean, maybe it's not it's not 100% interesting when we find. I mean, when you find out what it is, in a way, it's kind of it's interesting. But when you you know once they just as the the of all of all the signals to be used to kind of like bring, suck people in, you know. Yeah. If it was a Russian ship, it wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> <laughs> So they have that feed, and you know, so Tennessee is dealing with this feedback, and it's screwing him up, and and he's coming in, and that, and then they're gonna, now they they get to. I do like the way they kind of analyze his uh, this little his little recording from his from his helmet. I think that's kind of cool. Kind of reminds me a little of the for some reason that he, that he, that helmet part reminds me of the of the decapitated uh, engineer in Prometheus, <laughs> a rogue transmission. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. (laughs) (laughs) It may be time for another Spaceballs or something. (laughs) See, if Fox was still distributing, distributing or distributing (laughs) the Star Wars movies, then uh, maybe they could do that. And I like the little, like, pseudo-hologram image. Yeah. Which was one of the highlights of Prometheus when when they had all... The three features they take. Yeah, the three. I was kind of surprised on that they didn't release this one in 3D. In Covenant, not that it, not that it necessarily lended itself to it as naturally as Prometheus did, but you figured, just for the money grab of getting a little bit of extra money, you figured yeah. they would have done it. But the 3D in Prometheus was really good. Well, I don't think they had anything as, you know, as gorgeous or as necessary as the the navigation for the True. engineers, you know. And it was dark, and this movie and this movie is pretty dark. Once you get past the initial planet landing, there's a yeah, lot and 3D in the dark. Yeah, it does not work. So now we find Back out the tra- now we find out the transmission is is John John Denver by Country Roads, <laughs> Country Roads, and then they find the location of the planet, which is conveniently enough right around the corner, pretty much. <laughs> They don't even have to go into stasis to find this planet, as opposed to going back and because uh, we find out what was it like five or seven years, right? They, we find seven out years. Seven years. They end up have they have to go back. They have to go back in before they get yeah. to uh, to their destination, um, planet number four. And Daniels obviously is the Ripley stand-in character in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, the haircut should have told you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same so thing with Shaw. Yeah, she she kind of 
she's kind of like, a, in a way, I guess, uh, Daniels is kind of like a, like a merge or an amalgam of kind of like Ripley and Shaw. I mean, obviously she's not as, she's not intellectually like Shaw, but she, but she has the faith of Shaw. And then she's supposed to be enough of a badass to remind us of Ripley. Ripley. <laughs> or a guy six. Seventy years and four months. It also seems to be a pretty lame way of making a fi- again of making the final decision about where we should go. It's like considering you have all those people. people. <laughs> they they really should have like been a more urgent need for them to actually stop somewhere with the ship being damaged. Right. I mean, that's one. That's one of the things about it. Just besides the fact that it's a bad, it's a bad decision. It, it's just the fact that it's you. You're taking so much at risk, which of course Daniels is about to tell Orem right at this moment. He's like, "Listen, Jackal." <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, we were, we've been sent to this Orgai Six for a reason. That's the whole point of the mission. We know it's scouted. We know it's safe. Now you're taking off, taking us off on a wild goose chase just because somebody played a John Denver CD. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. Another Star Wars reference. Let's keep him going. Um, could too good to be true. Yeah. Which does which does kind of raise the question. Well, actually, it probably doesn't. The question probably answers itself in a way about why they missed why they missed this planet uh, because it's been so long ago, obviously, that they scouted this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but in a way, obviously the the yeah. I mean, the basic planetary structure was still intact, even after as we find out what's going on on the surface. The basic, you know, from the from the outside looking in, it would still look like a habitable world. So it is interesting, but I guess you could also, I guess you could also maybe blame it on uh, or excuse it away with like engineered tech, almost like a cloaking device or something, so maybe nobody could detect that they were there. <laughs> was that was that a jab at her? Now deceased husband with the whole, you know, using ropes comment he just made. I don't know if it was it. I don't necessarily know if that was his intent, but probably that's the way she took it. <laughs> or it was a reminder one way or the other. It's something that at this point, obviously, her husband's only been dead for a very short period of time. So we have an interesting dynamic here because obviously she was married to the captain and now she she's what she's basically first mate now to to Orem's captain, but so so talk about talk about a really crappy spot to be in for 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 both of them <laughs> is that you know he's try he's he's in a position trying to establish leadership she is used to the leadership of her husband and also has a, has a lot more loyalty personally and now she's got to come you know she's trying to do her job but also realizing that this guy probably doesn't have He's probably really not cut out for this job. <laughs> I think we had a cameo earlier of the uh, Hawaiian girl, Hawaiian bobble thing, right? I think so, yeah. Now, here they go. <laughs> and the, the old ionosphere problem. Oh, there's too many storms. You can't send down the big ship. You gotta send down the little ship, which is good because the big ship shouldn't be getting anywhere close to this. 
kind of like an alien. It's kind of like the same way when they well, with LV-426. It's like you wouldn't want to send down the big ship. You send down the, mm-hmm. like the troop carrier. Yep. Express elevator. That's right. It's still, I don't know. I, I guess without, like you said, without bad, without bad decisions, you wouldn't have much of a movie this time. <laughs> I mean, I could see their point of wanting to explore. Yeah, let's make a stop. Let's see what's really going on here. It seems habitable. Maybe come back or just see what it is. But I agree to actually go off mission and expect to take the whole colony there. Especially when, again, because they're not, you know, they're not medically trained. They're not. They're just not really cut out for this. At least, at least when you go back to Prometheus, at least, re- regardless of their of their poor decisions along the way, they they were there to do a certain mission, and they had the right people really there to do that mission. <laughs> and they had enough of a military presence, and of course, uh, Charlize Theron and Vickers was going to keep everybody in line. <laughs> because... Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go. Always, always has to be a rough entry. Yes, even though their landing is relatively safe compared to. Or as Obi-Wan would say, another happy landing. <laughs> Ooh, turbulence. Another common theme in most in a lot of the alien movies. Oh, yeah. uh, and now we have, of course, you have to have... Uh, you always have to have communication problems, too. <laughs> Which makes sense, again, thinking ahead. It's like you have this really... <laughs> Really ionized atmosphere. You're kind of going to realize that you're probably going to have some electrical disruptions or some communication disruptions. And the thing that the thing that's interesting about this movie is just in a way, it just seems like a maybe a common theme. It just seems like a lot of a lot of characters are like over their head. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, beautiful shot. Yes, it is beautiful. And very Prometheus-like too. From, uh, I think in from different scenes in that movie, including the beginning of that movie when they were when whether it's supposed to be Earth or we just assume it's Earth, that whole you know the reseeding of the planet, it's kind of it, it's similar to that. So at least we at least we get f- physical visual evidence that there's a reason why they think this planet might be habitable. Yes, might be worth rolling the dice on. So that is that is true. Uh, yeah, their landing isn't so so bad, but oh, being but back to being over their head, it's just yeah, pretty much other than maybe other than maybe Daniels, and 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 Walter, it seems like oh, almost everybody from the secure the security aspect of it, from the exploration aspect of what happens when you actually need to do some medical and quarantining. <laughs> There's just there's not there's it's like your basic training pretty much. It's like everybody a little getting, bit of common sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having trouble reading you. Well, of course. Just like this, just like there always has to be some ship damage too. <laughs> yeah, you have to lose communication. You have to have ship damage while the ship is being repaired. Somebody has to go off and do something stupid. <laughs> yep. Loading up on weapons. And they go out into the wilderness. That's right. 
And they leave Ferris there with, like, R2 or whatever that droid is that's seemingly trying to help her, I think. <laughs> <clears throat> Air feels good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> feels good. Better than the cryo. That's, <laughs> that seems to be the only criteria they, they use. All right, there's the security protocols. Y'all have fun as you walk through the water. You don't even know what's in the water. <laughs> Now the wheat thing is interesting. So how, how do you how how did you interpret the discovery of of the wheat on this planet? Just as in that's basically where our wheat came from. Um yeah, with that you know life, there's definitely some kind of life that would feed off of it. But yeah, wouldn't wouldn't I, I wouldn't call it impossibility. It makes sense that certain foods would be well, I won't say universal, but common base somewhere to start so do you so would you would you think that the that was the engineers kind of like brought it to earth or when they were setting earth up that they, they, they that's one of the things they more or less planted on earth or you just think as maybe as a byproduct of in general of their terraforming that that could be something that that's maybe a common common crop yeah i would probably say the terraforming at least they'd put that there before people, before they start life, because the plants were always there first, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. The, more or less, the the whole environment seemed to be ready for life. It just needed to be seeded. The faith thing is interesting in this movie because in in, in Prometheus, pretty much you just had you kind of just had Shaw being the really mm-hmm. reli- being the really religious one, and in this movie, you have a little you have a little bit of a little bit of faith. A different kind of faith, I guess, from Daniels, because obviously Orem is the real rah-rah. I don't want to say Bible thumper, but he, but he, but he, but he is, he is certainly the most overtly mm. religious character in this movie. Not the brightest, just the most religious. <laughs> Whenever somebody gets to be to repairing something, you always have to fear for their safety. Yep, even even with R two having her back. <laughs> But now we have the uh, waiting period. Yeah, the inter the interaction between those three characters kind of gets interesting too, because that goes back that go that goes back to the uh, the poor decision making too. It's like it's like especially the other because the the other two here they know they're a couple. I mean, we know they're a couple, and they know they know what Tennessee is doing is is not. <laughs> Yeah, as the movie plays out and Tennessee takes more and more risks with the ship, it's like it's like everybody knows <laughs> what your mission is, and it's like, yeah, he, his wife is down there, but you know, <laughs> thousands of people in embryos, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely not worth the life of one person as much yeah. as it's somebody that he loves. Right, and that's again back to the idea of the of the negative aspect of having everybody paired off like that is that you're just. It makes it real easy to not, to have that blind your overall mission view. She, she should have kept her behind on the ship. That's right. <laughs> at least at least keep all the couples together. So together. Because the, the only couple that's down here is Orem and his and his wife for a little bit longer. <laughs> so this is when we get the first hint of. Uh, 
of what we're going to find and, and who we're going to find that's actually on this planet and why. Something crashing. That's right. Uh, damage to the trees and things like that. But they, also we get the, the the first ominous signs where there's like no birds and no animals. So you know that's never a good thing. It's never a good thing when there's no nothing chirping or you don't see anything moving. The, the, the It's quiet... Too quiet. Too quiet line. (laughs) (laughs) It's too... I can't sleep with all this quiet. That type of thing, yeah. Oh, yes, and... Expedition team. See, now, that's something I can say that... I don't know much about the ecologists and, you know, how... Their research goes and how really... How much they really get into... the, The sampling and all this other stuff, but... I don't know if I'd be one to dig through that stuff or even touch, you know, take samples like that and stuff like that. But at least she has I gloves guess water on. Water. At least she has gloves on. True. <laughs> no mask, but at least she has gloves on, as opposed to this jackal. Even though, to be fair, he kind of just steps on something, but still. Now, now this is like a scene of the predator, based on the way everything looks. <laughs> this is a cigarette. <laughs> the trees, it just. But he just kind of like gravitates towards this big pile, which, <laughs> which at the very least looks like poop, if nothing else. Yeah. And it, and this does continue the whole idea of what exactly like, you know, the black goo, exactly, exactly how it transforms and exactly how it, it's it's kind of interesting here that because this is not the only time that we see those little like. Uh, Spores. Yeah, those spores that release stuff that... I like, that's a cool shot, going in the ear canal. It's kind of creepy that something like that you just never see, never even know. Yet it finds its way in your body. Yes, it does. And and as soon as... And if you didn't think it was gonna be bad news right away, as soon as it digs, it kind of like slides into his ear, and you see everything turning black. We know, we know, (laughs) we've seen, we've been down that road before. But one of the interesting things about this, about this, when we get a little further into it, is exactly all the stuff David's been doing, <laughs> and and how much we believe he actually probably could have done based on based on what he had, you know, what he had to work with at that point. <laughs> Since a lot of the stuff did get, a lot of the stuff on this planet got wiped out relatively quickly. <laughs> it's like how much could he really keep genetically engineering this and that to get, you know, to get us to where he. Well, we're, by the end of the movie, we're pretty much, we're pretty much, almost there to where you're exactly to the whole alien life life cycle, like we we know. And in some ways, that was a bit disappointing, but we'll, I, I guess I'll save that till we get there. Oh, that we that we didn't get the full resolution. You mean that we got so much evolution already? That that's true too. That is true. Um, and even the difference between like the neomorph and and the and the whatever the hell they called it at the end of Prometheus. No, the Deacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Thank you for the Deacon. Yes. Uh, now, I mean, it would make sense. The Deacon will look differently because because the face hugger thing was different and the host was different and it obviously should be bigger because it's coming out of a bigger host. But yeah, I mean, I didn't have a, I never had a problem with that. I mean, some people did because it didn't look like it. Now that's now that's dumb. Yep. No mass, no nothing. No, just yeah, just, just let's just poke, just just keep poking stuff. 
And even and even the mere fact that he's kind of rubbing his nose with the glove is like that's not too that's not too bright either. It's like why not hold one up to your nose and squeeze it <laughs> like it's an air freshener. Oh. There we go. He's feeling sick, and the first thing he says is, "I'm fine." Of course. Uh, yeah, the 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 Ledward character is he has a he, he does have a good death though. <laughs> it is one of the actually. The highlights of the movie, actually. <laughs> but we'll be getting to that shortly. Real shortly. Because <laughs> things are already going ba- downhill. <clears throat> so now we... Now we can, if we, we already know at this point, that, but we, we get a lot of reminders that we are in the engineer ship because we see... An, an engineer ship since we see their exoskeletons and we get the... What the remnants thereof. Was that the dog tags? Yep, uh, Shaw's dog tags. Elizabeth Shaw, ten years ago. Which is also interesting. So that so that would so that means at the very least, ten years ago, that that this planet was still intact. <laughs> so there would have to be another reason why, probably no no sensors or no probes would find that planet. Um, well, I mean, Prometheus mission was ten years ago, but. They could have found this one much less than that, or a little bit less than that. That is that is true, but it has to be. But it couldn't be much. But it can't be any less than ten years because he went. No. So, and he, now and now we start getting the. Uh, this we really see the source of the transmission. Making it clear that it's Shaw. Shaw singing, uh, "Country Roads." <laughs> <laughs> There's an album we don't necessarily want to buy. <laughs> Elizabeth Shaw's greatest hits. <laughs> With David on the flute. <laughs> so I take it all the engineers are musically inclined then, since their machinery works that way? I think that's probably a good... There has to be something to that, yes. The fact that yes, when they when they hit those like rubbery control things, that they, they tended to play music and that is oh. And meanwhile, here's here's Ledward. He's get it's getting worse. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. He didn't throw up in her face yet. Because no. <laughs> because in movies like this, you kind of expect that. It's funny you say that. My my youngest son actually did that to my wife the other day. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's something that you wouldn't think would actually happen, but it does <laughs> happen in real life. And <laughs> uh, now, and now we now Far- we have Ferris, who is who is uh, Tennessee's wife here. She's you're already picking up on the fact that she's like woefully unprepared for anything that's about to happen. Now she might be okay with repairing the ship, but she's. She's not really qualified, or doesn't have the, and doesn't have the temperament, and/or to uh, be really to deal with some kind of medical emergency. Uh, Somebody else starting to feel it. Hallett, Hallett feels it. <laughs> yeah, I can walk. I can walk until my head explodes. <laughs> but I'm good. I can walk this off. Walk it off. Here we go. Yes. Quarantine protocols. Right. Which right there <laughs> should also tell you everybody who's actually on the covenant, Tennessee, <laughs> hello, that 
there's something serious potentially going on here. <clears throat> that you, so you shouldn't be <laughs> too gung ho to put the rest of the ship at risk or anybody else at risk too. Too. Uh, he, he's making an effort to make it back. He's just, he's in the home stretch. He's, he's getting close. Getting close. But he's not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> They're taping him up, oh. Bob, but but it's not looking good. <laughs> yep. There we go. Yep. Which which is one of those funny things. It's like uh, what, what I'm sorry, I always forget. What's which one's Orem's wife? Is that Kareen? I think that's Kareen. Let me double check. <laughs> yes, must be, it's Kareen. That uh. That she, she gets a she gets like a little bit of a little bit of stuff on her shoulder, right? So and she, she's quick. So she automatic so she automatically has to be quarantined. In a few seconds, uh, <laughs> Ferris is gonna get stuff right in her face, but she can run all through the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Up yours, buddy. I'm staying out. I mean, I understand the panic situation in it, but. And then again, she's she's a biologist or whatever, so it probably wouldn't scare her as much as it would somebody who's untrained for that kind of stuff. That is true. Or scientist, I should say. Yeah, Kareen's trying. She's trying to do the. Uh, she's trying to do the right thing. Whoops. Yep. There's the uh, blood splurting out the back, and Ferris knows she's in deep crap now. Time to go. Yep, and time to go and doom her friend at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Just ignoring the fact that she got sprayed. <laughs> worse, got sprayed worse. <laughs> I, I, I need help. I understand. Like we're moving as I'm, I'm going as fast as I can, Captain. I need my time. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. Uh... In a way, I feel bad. I felt bad for the character because they do kind of make her do some of the, if you will, the stereotypical woman in a horror movie kind of things. <laughs> falling, oh, so f- falling down, hurting herself, things like that. So, I, I mean, I, it's, I think it's a little more believable in this circumstance, but, but she certainly doesn't, she certainly doesn't handle it well, and. And then the fact that she screws her friend when they both if one's contaminated they're both going to be contaminated. Exactly. And see, it's not. And even though she wants to keep her in here, that doesn't stop her three seconds later from going to get the gun to open the door. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, this, this was this was a nicely done scene. I'm what? sorry. I would not be hugging. Yeah, you certainly would. Anybody. You certainly shouldn't have put your hand directly back there. Excuse me, because you because sure because Farris already got squirted with blood. Oof. Yeah, that this is yeah this is pretty nicely done. Child is born. Yes. And I think this picks. I think this picked up a little on some of the concepts that were supposed to be in Prometheus because they are, they obviously had some versions of not some maybe some variations in the drafts and ideas were more like your traditional. Face huggers and chest bursters, but there also were some that came out in different places. Oh. Slips on the blood. Yeah, and get ready because it happens twice. I'm sorry. From the moment it started moving, she should have been over there stomping on it. Right. 
I'm getting my gun. I'm going in. At least, well, I was gonna say at least she didn't blow herself up, but in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there should be some kind of basic training. Oh, this this alien's ready to fight from the moment it's born. Yep. Oh, good mm. shot, but not good enough. I'm trying to do that little juke with the tail to throw her off, so I was like... Vicious little bastard. Yeah, they are. And this is, uh... This is when it kind of gets stupid. <laughs> I feel late. Yeah, a little late. I feel bad for Corrine, especially here. Because uh, she's about to... She's going to be dead in a second. Oh, slips on the same blood. Convenient. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, ah. Now, now I'm leaving the gun. I'm getting out the door. Can't we make sure my foot's out of the door? <laughs> of course it doesn't... Ooh. In the nick of time. In the nick of time. Well, not for long, because obviously they, obviously they need to invest in better quality glass. <laughs> <laughs> she screams. Going to try to get another weapon. I think I might have took two from the get-go. <laughs> One on the back. Oh, you would think... Almost at this point, you would kind of think maybe she would have tried to get out of the ship. <laughs> Especially since well, she knows everybody else is coming back. Let the professionals handle it. Well, but it's coming. And boom. Blown up. <clears throat> Real good. And of course, right within this... Right within... <laughs> three Screaming this... As soon as they get there. Meanwhile, of course, it's getting darker and darker outside. <laughs> I'm not sure if I really approve of the Elmer Fudd-like hat that Walter is wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it makes him more human, but... <laughs> okay. Ferris did not have a good day. <laughs> and, now, and now we have, uh, now we have uh, Hallett. Oh. Who is about to have a nut? Arguably, <laughs> his way of giving birth is even birth. worse than the. <laughs> that is Oof. nasty stuff, man. Oof. Yeah, that is. Ugg is correct. <laughs> Come on, Walter, get in there and do some squashing. You know? But there's a certain amount of just being completely stunned by this, which is. Which is what I loved about the first movie because I don't think they prepared the actors at all for oh, what was no, going to no, happen. No, they didn't. That was that was that was completely a, a real reaction to them. Um, now, now we begin to have <laughs> Tennessee's great decision making. <laughs> We're going to fly right through it. Though, though, at least he makes the the acceptable amount of stupidity when he decides to keep himself up. With like the forty meter, forty whatever, forty meters, whatever the hell it's supposed to be, <laughs> from uh, from going down to the planet. Everybody, of course, the communication is still down, which is even harder now because it's not like you can even use the ship to communicate, <laughs> the landing ship to communicate with the Covenant. <laughs> you would think they try to find a clearer area as well, somewhere where there's not this grass that's blocking your view. True. Or someplace higher, too, if you wanted to try to get a better signal. 
to go yeah. through. But in a moment, it's not going to matter because uh, there's going to be Neomorph City, which Walter picks up on real quick. <laughs> this Children of the Corn! And looks the first person he defends. Yep. He defends Daniels. Look how much that thing's grown in, like, the last, what, hour or two, maybe? True. They are fast growers. And David pays the price. That thing's pretty quick. And, and pretty resilient. Knock somebody's jaw off. Yeah, that was nasty. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Don't celebrate too early. Yeah. Alien screeches. They're all over the place. <laughs> but at least Daniels does a halfway decent job at uh, Rosenthal. I mean, everybody does that. They did a slightly better job dealing with the second one. But then comes... Help. Help. In quotes. Je Jedi Master. <laughs> Michael Fassbender. <laughs> <laughs> I, I warn you not to underestimate my powers. <laughs> if you want to live. That's right. <laughs> yeah, come with me if you want to live. I did like the fact that at least to build up the mystery, they said, man, they, they said, man come with me. <laughs> so... They've barely been on the planet for like, what, eight hours or something in there, and half their crew is pretty much gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Drop it like flies. <clears throat> and this part, of course, as we get closer to uh, David's little sanctuary there, <laughs> everything they see along the way becomes kind of interesting because <laughs> it's kind of also foreshadowing uh, the explanation that we get <laughs> for why it's like that. <laughs> like that. No life. But there's gates. Yes. And, and, there's a, and there's a whole lot of extra crispy bodies in there, too. <laughs> or petrified remains. <clears throat> so I guess logically we assume at this point, based on everything that that's in this movie, that we are to assume this was the home planet of the engineers, correct? Correct. But clearly all the engineers are not dead, or else there would never have been the ship on LV-426 with, with the... That's that is that is one of the few, one of the missing pieces, of of the connective tissue here, is that because they were carrying they were carrying eggs, right. alien eggs as we know them, and obviously up to this point their own technology never got that far. They just had the, the jars with the black goo. So well, we do know they're colonists, so of course they spread out across the galaxy doing their things. So there has to be some stragglers out there still exploring or doing whatever it is that they do. Right, and they probably have, they probably have their own, like you kind of said, they probably have their own colonies to begin with. So this may have been their home world, but but as a species, they weren't completely extinct. So that's what that if they you have to assume they're going to do at least one more. 
I mean, obviously Ridley Scott was kind of being a little – he was kind of being Lucas-esque and talking and making it sound like how many of these movies he really wanted to do. Because at one point it made it sound like he wanted to do three three more movies like after Prometheus, and then it made it kind of made it sound like maybe the three movies included Prometheus. Yes. <laughs> Which is probably I, the safe bet at this point because this movie did not do well financially. I mean I will definitely say – his plans have changed since Prometheus, which I thought did fairly well, didn't it? Yes, Prometheus did pretty well. Uh, but Co- Covenant really didn't do that well worldwide. Also, did, But it, I think it also cost less than Prometheus. But it just makes you wonder what made him change. Cause to me, it just seems like, well, we'll finish this movie, but he changed directions after Prometheus to do this movie. Right, as opposed to having – but either that or maybe he just didn't think there was enough movie – between Shaw and David arriving on the Prometheus, I mean, on the engineer's homeworld. And here we get David talking about him and Shaw being the sole survivors of the Prometheus, how Elizabeth, quote-unquote, died in the crash, and how they were, you know, the ship had a passage in on it. Why David's hair is still blonde is quite interesting, too, considering he colored it. His hair wasn't blonde, and yet he's been on this planet for a while. So, so how, how has he been coloring his hair all these years? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I would suspect there's going to be at least one more movie. I think I think I think Fox will give him one more movie. But that's got to be the connected tissue because. But I think if you if, if you watched the Ridley Scott commentary to this movie, I think he I think it it might be in that commentary and one of the or one of the special features that kind of hints at basically the one thing that's missing in this movie that you don't have is the Queen. And I think that's I think that's going to be the connected. That's supposed to be something you end up getting in the third movie. But if you <laughs> but if you really want to connect it to LV four twenty six, then you're going to have to come up with a way for why those those eggs yes, exist. Yes, why the engineers would have those eggs in their ship. Obviously, we know having it in their ship, it's just asking for trouble, which would explain why they could have a face hugger on it and why it could burst through. Even though it has to be a pretty big face hugger to have the same effect, you think on the engineers. Right, um, but then we do know that. Well, we don't know why they were carrying the eggs, but when it went down, we do know that pilot gave it not right. an SOS, but a signal to stay away. Danger, of course. So, yes. which probably maybe. was to his. You would assume probably was to his fellow engineers. True. But, but yeah, so we'll have to see. But that'll be an interesting thing to to ponder. And you can tell I like this. I like this conversation. I like the fact that both Wal- both Walter and. Daniels knows something's not right about this about this setup. That either whether they're completely doubting already David's story or just the fact that there's there's some there's just some something rotten in the state of Denmark here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and David's supposedly trying to put them in a position to communicate, which as the movie goes on, it kinda of makes sense that he would actually be trying to get them to communicate with the ship. Since he certainly wants a ship. <laughs> Needs a ride home. He's got a where well he a ride home wherever his home is going to be. We're off off yes. planet. He he needs a ride to continue what he feels is his destiny. <laughs> so I like the the atmosphere is kind of of this movie is kind it's kind of like a horror movie esque with the rain and everything like that. So and they do a good job here with the storm. And now we get the great information. Anything closer than 80 kilometers is a problem. Take us to 80 kilometers. (laughs) (laughs) Without a moment's hesitation. Not even a thought. 
And these two, I mean, I don't know. Between the two of them, it's like, especially later on when he when he does something extremely stupid in which they literally have to give approval or else he can't do it. <laughs> you would think that you know they would have a somebody would have a greater understanding of of the big picture here. He's clearly thinking, thinking with his heart, and that's the problem. And and that whole Spock being like uh, being emotionally compromised kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> like he's in command, but he's emotionally compromised. So I'm not saying throw him in the brig, but he's and they remind him constantly, and then still eventually cave in, cave in, and that's the, and that and that's the problem. Um, I do like when we get some of these scenes with da- with da- David in here that you, uh, especially like with the flute and other things, you kind of get like the Prometheus theme that he plays. I think that's a that's a that's a nice touch. And David still seems to have this fascination with singing and other things and music and art in art in general. He seems to be really into art, which again, considering why he named himself or how he named himself, it makes sense. Art and creation. And here we have our first sign of potential trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we'll have to talk about, you know, the, the ending related to Walter and David, because that, how that, how that actually worked and how that's plausible is something that, Certainly cries out for at least a few minutes of discussion. Explanation, yeah. Yes, the explanation or what we think really happened, considering they don't really. We know what the end result is. They don't. We don't see how, and it was viable how it worked. So it just leaves you to kind of fill in the pieces of what we what you think happened. Now, David, you know, in David's lair here, Walter kind of gets the first hint of. Uh, the first hint of a problem of his little hobby of being a botanist and everything else and zoologist. An artist. I mean, look at the art he's drawn. He's drawn these figures on the wall. He's dissected things yep. and mapped them out and he's studied. And it's also real convenient how David loses his hair color. Mm. Right? Yeah, <laughs> well, mean, he... I'm... He cut it where the color changed, but yeah, he went back to the short look again. Yes, but now his hair is not as blonde. Certainly. Now, the question is, was that his intention all along? To look more like Walter? You have to assume it was. It could be, you know, it could be one of these typical, if you will, these typical, almost like villain plots in which, like, you're trying to get, you're trying to get the the, the one who who you either have the most respect for or on the surface seems the most like you, you try to get them to join you, and if that doesn't work, well, your plan B is to get them out of your way. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is this is kind of... in This this is interesting. The, the discussion between the two of them here is interesting just because you start getting the hints of, of the quote-unquote improvements in the, the David model. <laughs> Uh, of the of synthetic because of the fact that there were there were too many quirks, too many quirks in the David model that made a lot of people uncomfortable, which clearly was too not, human. Yes, which which clearly tells you that it was a systemic problem because it couldn't just have been based on that one model that went went on the Prometheus mission. <laughs> so just the idea that he's a, that he was capable of too much independent thought and typical and he was. He had the potential to create, and then the ne- the and as we know with David, the the negativity 
or the negative qualities that that could uh, that what the results could be, the negative potential results with that. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, well, right now behind Walter, there's actually a drawing of an engineer, I believe. But they panned over it. Oh yes, I think you're right. You hold the flute. I'll do the fingering. <laughs> Not the best choice of words of all time. <laughs> but them, them being who they are, I believe all you do is show it to them one time, and that's true. You know, Walter be able to get it. Yes, you were correct. It's definitely an engineer. That's a good pickup. There you go. You got it, Walter. Symphonies in you. <laughs> Your model sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but but see, but David being David, he's able to he's he's able to see through the you know the facade and see that yeah you're better on this level, but I like that you disturbed people. <laughs> David's reaction to that is interesting because you don't know if it's like that if he's ang- if entirely if he's angry, if he's proud, if he's unhappy. It's like you can read a lot into his face that uh, he there's an element of shock that's for sure. I don't think he was expecting that, or at least not that amount of bluntness from from Walter telling him this. Here's another way to. Uh, one of your typical horror movie ways to go. <laughs> Split up. This, yeah, it's like I'm gonna Rosenthal. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go disappear on my own to bathe myself because that because that always ends well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially by yourself. I mean, buddy system. The 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 scene coming up with Rosenthal is pretty cool. But this 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 conversation between between uh, Orem and Daniels is kind of. I do. I, he, yeah, he at least he steps up to the plate and acknowledges his mistake, which of course, how could you not at this point, honestly? <laughs> it's, there's a lot of blood on his hands. <laughs> there's a lot of redness, ledger, as, as, as the Black Widow would say. You got no time for pity. He needs to step up and figure out the next. You know what they're gonna do next. I mean, she definitely. Is showing all the qualities of being the true leader. Yes. Yeah, I mean, she, and she is trying to, and she is definitely doing her best to try to encourage him, to try to support him, so he could overcome, you know, he, basically overcome his own self doubts too, and the, not just the guilt now, but the self doubts that he always had. Ah, uh, yes, the Ozymandias quote. <laughs> Which actually is pretty telling in this, and in, in, has great significance. Not just because of what we find out here with uh, what we find out with David and what and what he did, but just the fact that his little his little mistake when it comes to that uh, poem <laughs> is pretty relevant related to the way he functions, as Walter perfectly states it later on in the movie. <laughs> You would think they'd have some kind of, I don't know... Platform? Defensive capabilities. Somebody watching the sky. I mean, yeah, it's one of their ships. Maybe that's why they didn't 
weren't too alarmed by it, but I, I don't know. I guess I guess we really are supposed to take from that that they don't get ships returning that often. <laughs> you, I would I would kind of suspect you would. It's also interesting to me that, and maybe it was just because they were trying to save money on special effects here, that the fact that they certainly show a greater diversity of what engineers look like. Yeah. Uh, in the first movie, they pretty much all look the same, and you get a, you get elements of that look in some of these characters. But so maybe it was just a saving money on makeup effect. This is pretty brutal. Pretty much, pretty much wiping out this whole planet. Ugh. So it is, though it still is interesting. I mean, again, there isn't a whole lot of consistency in how the goo always reacts. Correct. I mean, because th- this is like this is like raw goo, like we saw in in Prometheus, and it's and it's and that goo took a little longer to to uh, to do some damage. But then again, it wasn't smaller. Quant- this isn't smaller. That wasn't smaller quantities. Yeah. Well, this is this is like o- literally overkill. So. Yeah, this is when kind of I think Walter's pretty much putting it all together. <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much figures out what's going on, and then we're gonna, and we'll be shortly get the uh, and we the, the little memorial to Elizabeth Shaw. How did he even make that? <laughs> I, guess, I guess I guess there probably were enough. There was enough equipment on the ship to be able to do an engraving. I mean, if he's freaking biologically engineering things. That is true. There must be enough scientific equipment and tools. Um, it is kind of odd the way he says that he loves her. But this all, but but all this information that David's saying about how his relationship with Elizabeth, from his perspective, and how he, and how he cared about her, also just ultimately shows you how screwed up he is. <laughs> Because despite the fact that I you I think you I think you can believe that as far as he's capable of, exactly he did love he, her, but it was but go ahead. And he just called it out for Walter, and Walter is pondering it now. Yes. <laughs> Whether Deflecting. it's love or duty, yes. But for David, he he may you know he may have had as much love as he could have for any living thing for Elizabeth Shaw, maybe. But it certainly wasn't going to get in the way of him <laughs> using her for his own purposes. Alien clicking. And here comes the brave Neomorph. They are kind of creepier looking when they're flesh toned and. Yeah, the white, the whiteness to it makes it yeah. creepier. Uh, it's still, it's still too bad we didn't, we didn't get that Neomorph versus the Xenomorph fight. Like supposedly, because it's not on this disc. But I, I thought that I thought that scene was I thought that scene was filmed. It wasn't just a conceptual scene. But who knows? Maybe that'll be when they do the next uh, Alien Quadrology Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I think I own almost every version of those movies except for Laserdisc. I have the HS. I have the. <laughs> DVDs, I have the Blu-rays. I only have I have I have Alien the the director's cut on DVD, and that's actually the only one that I own. Other than 
the only one that I own on its own, I had the Blu-ray, uh, the collection with, uh, the quadrilogy. Yes. Well, with with with, with yeah, but the the bigger set that they released, the uh, the one with oh. all those all those bonus discs and everything, uh, oh. that's the one I had. Oh. The latest one they released, and then of course I had Prometheus and this this movie on Blu-ray. Yeah, that was pretty. Slappy eater. Neomorphs are they are they are freaky looking. I mean, in a way because their jaw maybe because their jaws are not quite the same as xenomorphs, but that does not necessarily make it better. <laughs> no, it's just like. Langoliers or something, just yes, teeth. Yes, yes. So the teeth, it's yes, it's the teeth, it's the teeth, and the, I think the way they, their lankiness, that their natural, almost like dog-like movements. Yeah, but even that one was standing upright to a degree. It's like, and yeah, it stands upright again too. Uh, but I mean, just I mean, some, just the way it was like, like running in the fields and stuff, that it's. Uh, which is also potentially curious, because even though not necessarily, because we see <clears throat> we see the xenomorph kind of running on all fours too. So it's not like uh, this movie certainly. I'm not saying it, it contradicts anything we've seen necessarily oh, no. before, but it's just the idea that you, you certainly there's not they they don't play up the element that you know the host is going to influence what the animal is going to look like as much when it comes out and how it behaves and how it moves and how it. They don't do that as much. This part is, yeah. This part's kind of freaky. Or soon to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and there's David like, Yes! (laughs) Good boy! Good boy! Yeah, I think they, I, I, they are definitely freakier. They definitely are freakier. It's like it's like something out of like Jacob's Ladder too, like Jacob's Ladder and or uh, what was the other movie that just? Oh, uh, Silent Hill. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah, that. Yeah, so that's what their that's what their heads kind of look like. That uh, like the, the nurses and everything else that. Uh, and here's one of the few, few bright decisions Osram makes in the whole movie. Oram, I mean. Now, I wonder what David really thought was, was going to happen between him and this thing. Exactly. I wonder if they're communi- – oh, see? Communication, Captain. He's trying or – Yeah, he's trying, but he's doing that whole blowing in the nostril of, of the horse concept. But he, but see, David has no way of knowing what's going to happen here. Just because he's well, not a living, breathing creature, does it? Does that? Does he think that means that it's not going to attack? Right. Him. It clearly could. They do take he's a, that protruding mouth already. Yes. They do take a take a beating though before they go down. I, David's reaction was really, really disturbing. To that, like the the way the no and the way that's a look of horror on his face, which of course uh, directly leads to what's about to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> Even though David does kind of, he does kind of follow orders. But you, but again, the way David follows orders here, you know that you know that's going to be a problem. Just the way it's like, okay. <laughs> As you wish. <laughs> and even his face is like, right, what? Right. 
Make it so. It. <laughs> oh God, more 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 high jinks. You would think those colonists would have been secured a little better than that. And that, yes, exactly. That's just swinging in the breeze over there. It's like, uh, it's like we need to get off this planet. Which is kind of funny that it's like <laughs> Tennessee's like. I don't know if I don't know if we can use this to come get you because it may not be safe. <laughs> it may not work. But I'm willing to take the ship into the atmosphere when we know it's not safe. <laughs> bad decision after bad decision. Yep. Oh, Danny McBride. I'm trying to think in Prometheus, what was a uh... The captain on that, he didn't have anything, any kind of quirks about him. No tchotchkes or no specific. Uh, well, he had he had the uh, let's see, what you would call it, the uh, accordion. Oh, that's right. He had, he had that's the, right. He had the accordion. And the Christmas tree. And the Christmas tree. Yep, those are the, <laughs> those are the things that came to mind. The cat. Let's be honest. The characters in Prometheus, for, for the most part, were much more memorable than these than these characters. Oh yeah, <laughs> most definitely. I mean, I mean, it, it's hard. It's it's hard to really look at any of the characters in this movie, uh, with the exception maybe of Walter, and really care all that much about them. Even Daniels, who we're supposed to care about, she isn't overly charismatic. Really, I certainly think. Uh, Numi Rapace there was, was was more certainly had more charisma as Elizabeth Shaw. Here we go, some explanation. Yep. Uh, at least he did at least he didn't offer Orem one of those and go, Oh, it's a beer <laughs> 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 I've also been brewing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is that a Jurassic Park reference? Yeah, maybe. Be running the. <laughs> uh, what have you done, David? <laughs> but it does make. It still makes you wonder how how he was able to do. I mean, I'm still. I'm personally still curious how he got to the egg, to the egg stage. How he was able to create eggs. Um. So. And then I'm also curious, and we'll get to we'll get to it in a little bit when the movie ends. It's like because he doesn't have eggs at the end. No, but I guess he's designing them because there's face huggers on the wall too. If you would have saw just now, right? So, I mean, so I mean, well, we, obviously in a few seconds we know the face. We, he's got he's gotten to the face hugger stage, but the question Correct. is, he he maybe he knows that he has enough knowledge to be able to rec- recreate them. Um, So you haven't watched the extras on this yet? No, no. I just cracked it open just now. It was still sealed in plastic. Nice. There's some cool stuff about David sending transmissions back, I think, to Earth related to some of the stuff that he found and some of the stuff he created, which is why how the Wayland yutani company ends up basically finding out about the organism. So, Because um, I guess he, I think if I remember correctly, he's kind of trying to, to uh, more or less kind of threaten them in a way. Like more, 
So if you watch it, I don't I don't spoil it for you, but it but it's but it's but it's because I didn't I didn't watch it right away. That's one of the things I skipped, and I went back. It's like ah, oh, that explains how the company at least knows about it. Medical touching again and looking. Come on. Yeah. First of all, why would you trust David at this point? Because you know he's got a screw loose. And then why would you get that? And if you and if you were gonna even look at it at all when it starts moving, why would you get that? Why would you not move back? Especially because it opened when you got it next to it. The one thing in this movie, though, I mean, which seems still a little off, is that the face huggers work really quick. Um, because in the first movie, that face hugger was on for a while. Mm-hmm. So, but in this movie, those face huggers don't necessarily. Obviously, they don't stay on very long at all. Well, they're still a work in progress. Because, well, I don't even, <clears throat> I don't even remember what's going to be born out of this one, but. This is close. To, this is close to a full functional xenomorph. Okay. I think it's called. I think it's called a xenomorph. So it's it may be gen, you know, maybe Gen One, but 1.0. But it's certainly, uh, it's certainly the f- closest thing we've gotten to a xenomorph yet. They're dropping like flies, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting sucked into the to this narrative now. Yes. Forgetting to comment and talk, but <clears throat> it's, uh, now it's now it's time for the uh, now it's time for the cavalry. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was on the show and if I was acting, it's just uh, you look at them pushing buttons and turning knobs, and you're wondering if there is really any rhyme or reason to what they're doing. Just let me randomly do this here. Press this here. Which sometimes in some movies gets you in trouble because if you, when you're in different scenes, it looks you're like literally hitting the same buttons. Exactly. So then you have to come. Oh, it's like well, the, the, the pressure was different at <laughs> at a certain times, so it wasn't like yeah, you, you got lazy and you hit the same buttons. Or <laughs> this part, this part is just like so typical, David. <laughs> the guy's sitting there. He he just had a face hugger on him. He's waking up ever so briefly before he dies, and how does he wake him up? He freaking like throws pebbles and rocks at his head. <laughs> <laughs> no class. Say goodbye to Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, David is really one screwed up dude, man. <sighs> He's a great villain, though. <laughs> oh yeah. He's a great villain, as we kind of like, kind of posted when the movie came out. Like Marvel could definitely use a few more villains like David in their cinematic universe. Hello, world. Yes. Look at David. He's so happy. I'm really not sure if I'm buying this scene. <laughs> I can, I can see David doing it. I don't necessarily know of why this creature would automatically be so. F- <laughs> it is weird. It is really weird. Yeah, it, it seems counterproductive for it to be a miniature. Yeah. Version of itself. It's like. It would have to have. Oh, here we go. Big scene. Yep. 
you revel the big reveal that Elizabeth Shaw did die. She's not buried. And just by looking at her, she didn't die the way David said. Because yeah, certainly, and we know the technology is, is far different now, but we go back to the original Alien, that, that thing was not as fully developed. Right. Uh, it was much more compact. It's almost like it was waiting, almost like a bird that hadn't expanded his wings and stuff yet. And now we're getting more into the creepiness of David and his and his obsession with Elizabeth Shaw. Because <laughs> seemingly, because seemingly David was kind of like priming Elizabeth Shaw basically to be the queen, or to give, or to be the one who. To be the source or the creator of the queen that he wanted, basically the organism that could create more of these organisms, so he wouldn't. So he would. But now Walter calls David on his shit. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He understands. Yeah, he definitely. Uh, he's definitely seeing him for what he is now. The conflict, the conflict of interest. Well, which originally was a conflict for David, but now it, it conflict is long, <laughs> is long gone. That David just sees himself as superior, and that they, he has no use for people. This is this is kind of like the uh, the the Palpatine seduction speech. <laughs> Flow through you, <laughs> but I'm glad you said it. And this, this is this is the cool part with Ozymandias when he finds out that David himself is wrong about who wrote Ozymandias. It was Shelley, not Byron. And that when one note is off, it eventually destroys the whole symphony, <laughs> which means he's not playing with a full deck. <laughs> I do like this, the commentary about the dreaming. As I like, do, you dream? I don't dream at all. And how he seems so dismayed by the fact that David seems to either that David at least thinks that he dreams, even if he doesn't. It's I don't know. It's still weird in a way why he thinks the xenomorph. I mean, the why that is the perfect organism. I mean. Or, I mean, again, I mean, on some level, I mean, it's not like he's necessarily wrong, mind you. It's just that why does that seem to be his perfect example of of what life is or what life could be? Oh, it's a predator, and it's perfectly adaptable to any environment. Now that's just weird. Yeah. Maybe the whole maybe the whole point of that was just to freak Walter out enough so he can do what he's going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> It's and it's weird how that how they curls up into like that little ball. <laughs> yeah. And then we got the white goo. Yep, always have to have the white goo. Oh. And that my and that seemingly is the end of Walter. <laughs> and he sprung a leak. He's a couple of quarts low. Uh, and 
Yeah, everything just grows so fast. <laughs> I mean, the original Alien grew relatively quick too. Oh yeah, but, but it was feeding also, so that that is true. And now we have uh, now now Elizabeth is about to find out <laughs> the truth. I mean, she already excuse me. Uh, Daniels is going to find Daniels. out the truth about Elizabeth, among other things, and. Everything that this uh, David David's been up to. Dave, David definitely was a was a hell of a lot creepier in this movie than he was in the first. Yeah, one. I mean, he's had time to himself, time to think, time to develop things, and I, I don't know if those are his nightmares or just where those inspirations come from. Shoot the eggs. Shoot the eggs. <laughs> uh, the face huggers. Oh. We're going to need another captain. These things are they're just so freaky. Yes, they are. It's not even the fingers or the vagina looking of it, but just... The movements? Yeah. It's like a walking hand. And there's the acid that yeah, we know and love. That's right. Now this now, this is actually kind of kind of super relevant based on the, how how the movie plays out in, in the flight. Not even the final third because we are kind of in the final third. Like in the final fifteen minutes or ten minutes of this movie. Once they get back to the covenant, let's put it that way. Uh, because really? obviously, this, obviously there ends up being another xenomorph, <laughs> and the question and the question becomes where the xenomorph comes from. It comes and from. It, and the only plausible explanation, since just putting goo, just putting goo in somebody doesn't create a xenomorph, that I think the only logical explanation is that even though that that face hugger was only on him for a brief period of time, that it shot something inside him, because we do see his body. We do see his body in the med, in the med bay, so it's just weird that it's like a, <laughs> his luck. He had to have the face hugger that had the premature ejaculation. <laughs> <laughs> and this is David being really. I like that part with the nail, which is also critical to, to talk about in a few moments. But he's you know now he's using all his superiority when it comes to his strength and tossing Daniels around left and right. And this this is really creepy. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, was he gonna rape her? Was he just gonna? Was, did he just want to know what it's like to kiss to actually kiss a, a woman? <laughs> but it's really freaky. Exactly. I mean, what does he get out of it? Right. Just, uh, he's curious. And now we get the big surprise that, that Walter's not dead. Now we have our fast bender on fast bender action, just, just with no kissing, thank God anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's been upgraded. <laughs> what is he in the Matrix? Apparently so, or Jason X. Oh Lord, I forgot about that movie. Pendant tinkling. And 
Yeah, it's weird when, when androids fight because it's not like they're humans where they have known weak spots, you know, throats and crotch and... Right. It's just like it's a war of attrition pretty much. Yeah. And getting the right shot at the right time. And of course, which is not necessarily done by accident either. It does kind of get confusing in this scene a little bit. Who's who, even though their uniforms are different. So when you get some get some good lighting, and here's uh, Walter pounding the crap out of David. <laughs> And now you now you always have one of those. Well, I like the you know the the Paradise Lost line. You know, it's, it's better to serve in hell than rain in heaven. Rain in hell than to serve in heaven. That kind of line. But yes. But you always have that. But you also have that moment where that's that moment when 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 the scene cuts when you don't entirely know if which character took out the other character. <laughs> that's kind of. Even though again, I don't. I don't. Let's be. Let's be honest. I don't think anybody was really shocked no. that, that it was spoiler alert, <laughs> which in this, which for a commentary really isn't spoilerish because I mean most almost nobody ever watches a movie with the commentary the first time, but I don't think it was a I don't think anybody was surprised that with the reveal that Walter at the end of the movie is really David. Mm-hmm. The real question is how it's plausible. <laughs> Because they both had certain wounds, they both had certain wounds, and there's it's like David had a, David had that nail wound in his underneath his chin. Chin, which is I think was the one thing I think I I really looked for and stuck to. Yes, I did too. And and Chuck, may he rest in peace. Chuck and I, when we went to go see that movie in May, we uh, we noticed that too. But that kind of that kind of opens that opens the door for. Whether the most plausible explanation is that basically it's, it's David's it's David's uh, AI pretty much in Walter's body because don't forget he's missing the hand too. He's missing the hand, so he would have also had, he would have had to he would have he would have had to have removed his hand. He would have had to do all this stuff in a short period of time. Plus, it wouldn't explain why he doesn't have the wound underneath his chin if he was Walter, if it was Walter's physical body. Right. Um, uh, well, correction if it was. Dave, if it was Walter's body, then he then Did, yes he was pretending he, to be yes because it was because Dave, David's own body just with a different haircut losing his arm would still have the wound that that uh, Daniel's put in, in David's chin, so <clears throat> that would seem to be the most logical. Now before I mean, without the idea of the of the face hugger shooting that embryo in, into uh, what lope I think it's lope here. Uh, real. The only other is it, I thought it was Loper. Uh, well. Lope. It is not. It is Lope. Lope. It is Lope. I'm, I have all the character list on my screen, but it wasn't that character wasn't highlighted for some reason now, and I, and I lost it. That the only other explanation would have been when David's changing his bandage. That he could have. That the possibility was, oh, he could have put like goo or something in the bandage, but that wouldn't have got you a xenomorph. <coughs> So the only real explanation is that there is there is one inside Lope right now that we don't know about, and he doesn't oh. know about. That's just, just some luck. Yeah, which is weird too because look how quick the thing shot out of uh, Orum, right? How, how quick that came out of Orum. 
All right. So so there, there, there's a little bit of inconsistency about make about about this. So what's 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 your take like on the CGI alien? Is do you think that's a plus? Do you think it's um? Are you one way or the or, or are you you're, you're okay with it one way or the other? I'm I'm okay with it now. I think technology's come far enough, and now that they're outside and there's rain and all this other stuff going, it's not as bad as maybe some regular inside shots. That's true. I think there's I think there's a room for both. Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think the CGI version in this particular scene, and maybe it's not supposed to, but to me the CGI version does not look like 100% like the xenomorph that we know and love. It's close. It's real close. But there's something about the way it's built. It just doesn't seem like it's the same entirely. Yeah, I, I, I wish they would have done another uh, intermediary, intermediary step between the final version and this one and the one we just saw before. Something uh, a little different. This is just way too close to what we know where it's going to end up. Right. Oof. Yep, at least she dodged the full the full frontal effect of it compared to uh, – <laughs> but it's, it's eaten through that part of the crane real quick. <laughs> real quick. <clears throat> Take that, engineers! <laughs> this is all your fault. <laughs> you and your damn goo. And that's one thing that I was kind of a little bit lost—not even lost—heard about when it when we saw what happened to the engineers. It's like the big question of the last movie was why? Why did the engineers want to destroy mankind? Where did they come from? We got none of those answers in this movie. I, Nothing. I, I agree. I think now th- this movie. I think this movie basically, much like there's a bunch of movies that fall into this category, that that are in the same series or by the same director or whatever. How you feel about one dramatically affects potentially how you feel about another. That I think the people who really who re- even with its flaws, the people who liked Prometheus, I think. Probably liked Covenant less. Excuse me. <clears throat> Need a drink. Oh yeah. But the peop- but the people who didn't like Prometheus that much probably liked Covenant better because it was more like a even though it kind of is essentially borderline a rehash of Alien with just a few twists. But I so I liked Prometheus and I liked a lot of the concepts they were dealing with and I kind of would have liked to have gotten a little bit more of an explanation. Uh. It's not like we never could, but it is – I. It, it feels like a step backwards. It just doesn't feel like we've gotten any progress. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, you know? it's you – know you know what it seems like? The first movie – the first movie was about the concepts of like where we came from and going – and also but, – but going back to directly to – the questions a lot of people had was, you know, what's the deal with the ship on LV-426? Why were they carrying the eggs? Things like that. So the whole thing about Prometheus was essentially trying to explain, get the connective tissue to that ship. And there was, and they, and there were some elements that we know and love from of Alien and the, and the Xenomorphs and everything in that movie. But that wasn't the primary focus of the movie, which is why sometimes they were a little too cute in making it sound like, oh, it's 
it's not really an alien prequel or whatever when we knew it, we always knew it was damn well yeah so they kind of like outsmarted themselves a little bit on that level but but I think <clears throat> in a way it's like they kind of like whether Scott did this on purpose or not there was that criticism and then he decided to focus the movie now more on the, purely the creation of, this, of the xenomorphs to get them from point A to point B, from where we saw them in Prometheus. And then all the, all the other elements of... Like, almost all the stuff about the engineers got thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. But yet, if you're still trying to have this series connect to LV-426 by the end, you're going to have zero... Have, you're going to have to zero in and come and double back to the engineers at some point because you still have to have an explanation, especially now that we know that they didn't have the eggs to begin with, they just had the goo. That where did they come in contact? Where did they get those eggs? Did they have? Did they have a? You know, did they did they get a queen? You know, did, were they able to get the queen? But you kind of think they may have had to have at least encountered at one point because of the whole to crap that, of eggs to get that many. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know, but. So she's uh. Turns to the resident badass, going out there, taking care of the alien, coming back, and making herself some breakfast. Yeah, so I, I like the fact that, you know, when conveniently enough, you know, they were doing like some like the internal repairs on the ship, which is probably when David did his, uh, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a little head knocker thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when David did his reprogramming, probably to, like, the protocols and everything else. Report to the med bay. And that's when we find out there's an alien on board. Because we really didn't think the movie was over anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Can't I mean, get a break. Yeah. I mean, they try they, they try to make you, as much as they could, they try to make you think that maybe it was Walter because of the fact that, you know, the way he saved Daniels and things like that. But that's all part of it. But, but, like, but he has plans for Daniels. He has, he has plans for Daniels, which is... Uh, Basically, the plans that he had for Shaw now. He may not have the emotional attachment to her, but he doesn't care because she's raw material. Well, that or maybe Walter's a. Ooh. Yeah, it's nasty. You're right. If it's na- if it's maybe there could be a little bit of residual of of Walterness in him. Yeah, or him having a high regard for her just because of Walter. But I guess the real question is how much of Shaw is actually in. The latest evolution that he's done of these aliens. I mean, yeah, that is true. We we don't entirely know all the steps, at least from the, in this movie. We don't entirely know all the steps and what and how much how much playing around with her genetic material got us from point A to point B. Um, we assume a lot, clearly, but they do do they do a good job in this part of the movie trying to play up or make you. Because at this point, clearly everybody's reading into to David's slash Walter's body language um, to try to see if it really is David. So, so okay. if Mother warned everybody else that there's an unidentified life form on the ship, I mean, he just she just forgot about these two? Yeah, they probably didn't care. <laughs> they, they turned privacy mode on? Maybe. Maybe, 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 this, maybe the running water is too loud. Or, or they were too loud. <laughs> Uh, this That's is, just bad. This is a bad way to go, man. 
Yep. Oh. And she tried. Tasty too. I think it's the fact that it came out of his mouth at the same time. Yep. There, there are worse places it could have come out of. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, he, but the alien was standing up, so... Okay. Uh, hey, he may not have felt anything. <laughs> Ooh, well, I don't know, but at least it was it was quick. We can't exactly. say it was painless, necessarily. At least it was quick. Uh, two for one sale. This scene, obviously the whole end of this movie, from this point on, does... Mirror the original Alien quite mm-hmm. quite a bit, but but the only exception being there's two people alive fighting it instead of just one. <laughs> Not counting Jonesy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the only la- the only true survivor in the Stromo now. <laughs> and as soon as you said it, all I heard in my head was "stupid cat." <laughs> Hey, that cat was hiding. That cat was brighter than almost everybody else on the ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a reminiscent... Uh, yes. Not speech, but a quote. Seal the doors behind us. Yep. And here we go, traveling up and down decks. So, I mean, the, the, the part about this scene is, or this the last final like 10 minutes or so of this movie it's like what I guess the di- potentially the difficult thing is what was David's real end game here I mean was I was it simply that he was prepared for either option whichever however it turned out he was content with pretty much that's that's the most logical I guess assumption because there certainly was a possibility that that the alien was going to kill them and there also was a, there also was a possibility that the alien was going to be destroyed, but we know David is not counting on this alien himself carrying everything forward. Well, I'm sure he's checked the ship's <laughs> logs and he knows exactly what the cargo is. Now this, this is what vision. the second time we've got an alien vision. Didn't we get it in the Alien Three? I don't know. I don't think we. I don't think we got the pure vision. We, I think we we got the running. We got the running from the point of view. I don't necessarily know if we had kind of like the pseudo infrared, whatever. This part's cool with the with the, with the camera <clears throat> when the alien takes out the camera. Just like David's reaction to it. It's like you you just because you just don't know what he's. I mean, is he really surprised that the that the alien did that? Is he impressed that the alien did that, or? I'd probably say impressed. He knows it's a hunter. He knows. And the old airlocks. Mm-hmm. Even though obviously they they have a lot more to work with in the in this docking bay than uh, than Ripley did, <laughs> especially in the shuttle. Throw the cat at him. Go for the eyes, Jonesy. <laughs> You ever seen a cat play dead? But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I do like the, I do like the fact that, you know, she does have a plan. Yes. And whether, you know, whether it's the, it's a risky plan, of course, but at least they have isolated the, uh, 
the alien and then sometimes it is weird to see to see it move so fast all the time but again we know it's the it's just special effects now but it just has but it has a similar effect to seeing seeing light seeing like uh lightsaber fights in the prequels versus the originals you know it's like everything was so quick and everything in the even without the CGI just everything was a lot quicker in the in the prequels when it came to fighting and then it just makes the old school lightsaber duels look a lot so cool just makes them look a little less impressive Yeah, I would be curious to know what was going on inside uh, uh, <laughs> Warvid, <laughs> Daver, whatever <laughs> his mind <laughs> to know what it was really you know, to know what he really was expecting. Here's Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough little thing. I'm saying, Tuna uses his head as a hammer a lot. Yeah. Well, they do have... Well, it makes sense. I mean, hey, the, the, the Predator used it as a shield, right? <laughs> True. Ugh. Those movies don't exist. Well, technically, technically based on the time based on the, uh, the uh, time frame now, I think, established, I think, in these movies, I don't think it could exist. Uh, somebody, somebody did that. They did analysis of that, that it doesn't... That it seemingly takes those out of continuity now based on the, on the time frame of some of the things that were created in this movie. <clears throat> Certainly, especially since we know the aliens are not that ancient. If you buy this timeline, they were not that ancient, so they couldn't have been on Earth all those years ago. Oh, that's got to hurt. Steve Rake! Hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) (laughs) We just need the planet to explode now. Then it's a true alien movie. Either it go falling, tumbling through space, or the whole thing blows up. So certainly David's David's reaction there would make you think that at least he's uh he's glad she made it. <laughs> but again, he has ulterior motives for that. No, hold on, my PS is about to go into rest mode. You do not want that. Oh, well, ten minutes. So we'll be done by then. Yeah, we will. Now, do you now do you think do you think Tennessee's ever going to see the light of day? <laughs> or do you think he's going to have an accident when in, in stasis? I mean, he does. He technically doesn't know anything. So there's so there's, right. so there's no real necessary. There's no need for David to kill him. Exactly. But. Yeah, the the real issue is what, in a way, of what he's going to do with her, unless he's planning on doing whatever he's going to do with her while she's in stasis, so she'll be dead long before. And I remember just sitting here telling myself, "Look at his chin! Look at his chin! Look at his chin!" Or under his chin. Right. So it it has to be Walter's body, or else he would have that he would have that wound underneath his underneath his chin if it was David. Um. I mean, you could make a case he could have cut his hand off real quick if he needed to. <laughs> yeah. But. That's what I would have thought. But that's about the only thing that really makes sense. And now we get the uh, the 
big reveal in small <laughs> small letters, which most people suspected anyway. That Walter is act. This Walter is actually David because he has no freaking clue what she's talking about regarding the lake and the nail and the cabin. <clears throat> there it is. There it is. I like I like that when the heart rate starts going up and everything else, and she starts freaking out. <laughs> he is a creepy bastard. He plays this role really well. Oh yeah. Get the smile. Yep. The kind of smile. Now, now it's real. Now it's it's really creepy about about this whole the embryo thing. <laughs> and, 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 and where did he have those things? I, I assume he must have had them on ice. He swallowed it. Uh, no, I mean before that. No. It's good that he's got that regurgitation on command feature. <laughs> and yes, the gods entering Valhalla again. Which gives us a bookend with the beginning. The entry of the gods into Valhalla. Which we saw in the prologue with him and Wayland. Yep. Got the callback. Yep. With Wayland kind of mocking him because it didn't sound good without a full orchestra. <laughs> they were always playing games with each other. And now we have, yeah, now we have the moment of truth, and now we know how at least the aliens are going to continue it to the next movie. Well, here's the thing. Do you think this one might be a queen? Well, the key is, do we think if, unless they're both queens. Because I'm trying to see if we see any difference in the, if we get a close enough look at both embryos side by side. Now, mind you, it would make it would absolutely make sense for it to be a queen, from the perspective of. Oh, that looks like a face hugger. Oh yeah, those are face huggers. Are they? Yeah. But he created them, so we. And now David goes off to inspect the troops. <laughs> His guinea pigs. Endless possibilities. That's right. So the one good thing that we can get from going forward after this is the limitless possibilities of what he can be doing with all these people and all these, you know, genetic material and these aliens, what he can do next. But yes. we still didn't get to the heart of the end of Prometheus with the engineers, period, the real right. answers of what we wanted. And that's, I think, what was the most disappointing thing for me. I agree. I think, and it doesn't, and it, and it doesn't. All this movie does is get you closer to the aliens that we know, but it does not get you really, other than chronologically and year-wise from the, from the from the year of where Alien took place. It doesn't really get you closer to the events of LV four two six and how the engineers came to be there to begin with and things like that. So that. So he, technically speaking, if if they were only going to have one more movie, there's still a lot of connected tissue. Uh, but I think I think really Scott, I think they'll give him at least one more movie. But I think if they had grand plans to do like a whole trilogy of movies after Prometheus to get us there, I think that's probably dead. I don't think the 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 critical and fan reaction to this movie was not <clears throat> uh, was not what they expected. Wanted. Yeah. So I think. 
don't know. It's just like I swear to you, it's just I feel like he just completely shifted directions with this sequel. Like he said, you know what? Yeah, I did this Prometheus, Prometheus, but I want to get to point C, but now I have to change point B. So let's do this interim movie, which it doesn't help. No, no, it doesn't. So before we get out of Dodge in a few minutes, which crew did you think do you, do you think was stupider? Because <laughs> we didn't we actually didn't we didn't talk about it. We talked it through, we talked about it generally throughout the movie, but we never we never cast the vote. <laughs> I'll probably give it to. Well, let me think of Prometheus because Prometheus. We had the one or two. I think there was more slip-ups in this one, especially with the idiot who blew herself up and by shooting all around the place. Yeah, I, I, I think this crew is... Even though this crew has less training and they're less prepared for the stuff, I, I think this crew was stupider. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, actually the... Uh, Tennessee's wife who blew up the whole ship, she kind of reminds me of uh, in Jaws 2, the... Uh, the uh, water ski driver mm-hmm. who was pouring the gasoline to try to blow up the shark, and she ends up setting herself on fire and then blowing up the boat. <laughs> I mean, she did burn the shark too, but that was not. But it didn't quite go the way she planned. That's not quite what the original plan was. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't. But that's what it reminded me of. Um, it's like, a, but, but that was really blatantly dumb. I think. I think in that scene, she literally like picked the gasoline can up and, and like poured it directly on her head. I think. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, so yeah, that was our that this was our take on Covenant. I think if we, I mean, obviously you and I would enjoy it. I don't know if anybody else would enjoy it. We would have fun doing Prometheus. Yeah. Do a bookend on Prometheus and try to put it in the context of just probably just trying not to talk about Covenant at all, just <laughs> to, to to make it exist in its own vacuum. So. Since like we were watching it, but this movie didn't exist yet. Um, but I mean, Covenant is fu- is fun, but I think Prometheus is much more rewatchable. Yes. And I and not just because of the special features and the commentary. I just think the movie itself is inherently more interesting, even if at the time it disappointed some people. I don't. I didn't feel overly disappointed in Prometheus, but I. I didn't either. I don't know if people were expecting a full blown alien movie, which Probably. is why I was okay with not even getting that, just because of all the questions that were raised and how it got to literally the beginning of everything. You know, the black goo and and. What was a little bit off was even though they did have the black goo, you notice the murals and everything in Prometheus yes, that's, did have that's you know, another, so. that, and That's another thing from a from a comp, continuity perspective that um, doesn't make a that doesn't make a lot of sense unless you're going to get something which would, in a way would make it more convoluted. That time we, travel? Eh, not even time travel. That which obviously would make it convoluted. <laughs> um, more that maybe the alien that maybe there was a another group of engineers that was kind of doing the same kind of crap that David was. <laughs> that they were that they were doing that they were doing the same kind of genetic experiments. So maybe so David is, maybe is not as special as he thought, and that the engineers were doing that too, and that's since they had done some experiments because yes, there's definitely murals and stuff on the wall in in that ship that makes you think that the, the, the aliens had already existed. 
guess maybe we'll find out in the, in, in, in the next Alien next prequel. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we won't. Um, so, I thank you very much for this, as always. Oh, anytime, anytime. I'm a little bit tired tonight, but yeah. I was really glad to get the second watching of this, second viewing. Um, I had I had some other thought with uh, Prometheus. One thing that I did like, the whole infection of Shaw and her having to get the Abortion. embryo out of her. Yeah. And then that that same thing going and infecting an engineer, it was just like karma, you know, a, a divine right, yes. karma, 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 whatever, retribution. It was just – and I like the idea that the aliens themselves are kind of this – descended from humans who are descended from, I guess, the engineers as well, but more of a human's revenge on the engineers. That's – yeah, that's an, that's cool. I agree with that. So actually, we probably should at one point consider doing one for Prometheus, even if we're even if we're the only two that'll enjoy it. Actually, I am only kidding because I think more people actually did like Prometheus and Alien Covenant, so there probably would be more of a, a listening audience for for Prometheus. A, a Prometheus. And I was and Prometheus would be a fun one to do. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. It, there's a lot of research, definitely. I'd have to take some serious notes. So we won't do it tomorrow, but maybe in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for the holidays. Prometheus for Christmas. Um, uh, anything you want to promote as usual? Um, no, listeners can just find me at earthsmightiestpodcast.com. There's three podcasts there. Uh, EMX, all about the X-Men. EMP, all about the Avengers. As well as Merc with the Podcast, which is all Deadpool. And uh, sometimes in those, we, we do throw in some movie talk and some other stuff. So... Um, Nothing that's quite advertised or put in notes that, hey, we're talking about this, but, you know, you'll get some media talk all around as well. Very nice. Uh, now, now, since we actually – this is this is my – as my voice was dying tonight, that's because actually lifting the veil a little bit. This is my – like the second episode of, actually, of this show I've recorded tonight. <laughs> Chad and I actually recorded earlier. So my throat is – so that's why I'm dying. So I'm – so much like that show, I'm going to give a really abridged closing. <laughs> uh, lanterncast at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, and I will be I will be less abridged just to say, yes, episode 300 is coming. So if you have thoughts, questions, things you, are, you want to get in for episode 300, now is the time to do so. Uh, voicemail 708 Lantern if you want to give us some feedback that way. Website lanterncast.com. And we're on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to find us on either one of those, and iTunes and Stitcher. We're on both of those, so whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And, and if they want to talk this about this episode, definitely do it on the forums. I'll be more than happy to hear other people's thoughts and go back and forth on this movie. And just anything we may have missed that we may not even known or you know any facts, just conversation, definitely – Go post it on the Facebook. I do it all the time. I do random shout-outs to you guys, and I show you guys things yes. on Facebook. So I, I can't say enough how much fun it is to go on Facebook for the Lantern Cast. Right, just like our conversation today about Terminator. <laughs> 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 uh, fun times, fun times. So uh, I think that's going to be it for now, and <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>